Hello and welcome to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia China Business Council. As always, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do so via a search for China Path Podcast in the iTunes Store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. As the Chinese middle class continues to grow from around 430 million today to a forecasted 780 million by the mid 2020s, so too are we witnessing an evolution in the tastes and preferences of the Chinese consumer. When it comes to how Australia can best serve China's evolving palate, wine is surely one of the leading products China's growing middle class demands in higher and higher numbers. In fact, a March 2018 Wine Australia export report had the value of Australian wine exports to China breaking through the one billion dollar mark for the first time. What's more, Australian wine to China is growing at a rate of 51% each year, and with the China-Australia Free Trade Agreement seeing tariffs entirely removed by January 2019, the prospects of more Australian wine at the Chinese dinner table look bright. On this episode, we speak with Catherine Brown from one of Australia's most iconic wine brands, Brown Brothers, that has been making wine in Victoria for over 125 years. Catherine is the eldest daughter of Ross and Judy Brown, and is winemaker and brand ambassador at Brown Brothers. Having been born with the industry in her veins, she's embraced taking on the role in the family business since 2010. And in 2012, Catherine was named one of 15 future wine industry leaders and accepted into the Australian Wine Industry Future Leaders Program. We discuss the wines popular in China, how the Chinese wine consumer is evolving, pairing wine with Chinese food, and how Brand Brothers is making its mark with a new generation of wine drinkers in China. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm here today in Melbourne with Catherine Brown from Brown Brothers. Thanks for making the time to join us today, Catherine. Not a problem. So, Catherine, can I just ask uh, initially?、Uh, Brown Brothers is a very、uh, famous old Australian company.、Um, how old is Brown Brothers exactly? So,、uh, my family have been making wine for around 127 years. Right. My great grandfather made the first vintage of wine in 1889. Okay. And from every year on, we have been producing wine in the little town of Milloa in northeast Victoria. So you're fourth generation Brown family. That's correct. I'm fourth generation, and、um, it's really interesting to see、um, sort of where our business is at at the moment because it's、uh, third and fourth generation running the business, and、um, sort of that impacts a lot of、um, decisions we make. There's、uh, that sort of twist of millennial、uh, on some of our decisions, which. You can see my father sometimes twitching a bit too,、right. but all the fun of family business. Yeah, cool. So,、um, cutting straight to China, how long has Brown Brothers been、um, involved in the China market? So we've actually been in the China market for nearly twenty years.、Um, we went over there and partnered with a distributor by the name of ASC. Okay.、Uh, ASC was one of the first distributors、uh, of wine. Uh, to really sort of see the opportunity、uh, of the country, and、uh, back 20 years ago, wine,、uh, especially wine from Australia, was such a new thing for China, and、uh, the group at ASC really、um, partnered with us,、uh, jumped onto the the difference in Brown Brothers wines, the fact that we work with、um, traditional 
wine varieties, but also alternative wine varieties, and also things such as Moscato, the fruitier style wines. They really jumped on, saw that difference, and uh, for those 20 years we've really worked so well together, and we still work together today. Were there many other countries with uh, wine brands in China at that stage? So my first trip to China was back in 2001. Yep. And uh, at that time, really, wine and France were uh, went mm. together. Right. And a lot of people really could not see past um, that there could possibly be another country in the world that would be making high-quality wine. Yep. And now, uh, last time I was there was in September last year, and Australia is um, you know, one of the most popular countries to be buying wine from. What is it that... Chinese consumers think about Australia when they're when they're opting for an, an Australian wine over a French wine. I think we're so lucky that China is geographically quite close to Australia, mm. and a number of Chinese people, especially in this next generation, coming out to study in Australia or to holiday in Australia, and it's all about that um, that image that they keep of Australia being clean, pure. We make beautiful produce, we make beautiful food, and they'll take those stories home. And uh, whenever they open an Australian bottle of wine, that really resonates with them. Do you see uh, competing countries going with a, a, a different angle to clean and green? So France, for example, do you think France relies more on its pedigree of being traditional, classy? Do you think that's different to the way Australia appeals to consumers in China? I think the word traditional that you mentioned is absolutely perfect, a mm. uh, perfect way to explain French wines. And a lot of people love tradition. I love mm. tradition. I enjoy drinking French wines as well. But uh, Australia thinks outside the box. And I believe that this uh, new wine drinker in China, mostly uh, female, mm. uh, um, sort of this newer group right? coming yeah. through, they're looking for something a bit different. They're looking for fun labels. They're looking for fun, easy drinking wines. And uh, in some cases that we're seeing, they're looking for a little bit lower alcohol. Mm. And something like our um, the Brown Brothers Moscato has about 5% alcohol. And so these um, people that are trying to get into wine for the first time are really enjoying this option. So you mentioned the Chinese consumer is predominantly female? This newer group that's oh, coming through. Right. So um, really looking at that sort of 25 to 35-year-old age group, um, this is sort of middle class so young women that have careers of their own are coming through and really leading the way in terms of you know, going out for brunch and enjoying a glass of wine, right. enjoying a glass of wine with friends at home. Something that uh, women probably 25 years ago in China didn't have the opportunity to sure. do. What Brown Brothers brands in particular um, is that young Chinese wine drinker uh, looking for? To be able to offer a wine that is... Uh, fruity characters, so a little bit a little bit sweet yep. and of lower alcohol, really helps to teach people about wine when they haven't tried wine before, if it hasn't been an experience for them. Okay. And you look at what people drink when they're younger, when they're below drinking age, and it's usually sort of soft drinks. Uh, in China, there's a lot of the sort of the iced teas, which are quite sweet. So to really progress from those sort of drinks into something completely dry, such as like a dry Sauvignon Blanc, is actually quite difficult for the palate to handle. So for um, Brown Brothers to have something like a Moscato that's nice and fruity and fresh, it's a very easy progression uh, for people to go from these non-alcoholic beverages that have that sweetness uh, and start learning about wine from there and then potentially progress through to a Sauvignon Blanc or a Chardonnay or a Pinot Grigio or a Shiraz. Okay. Do reds make up more of the um, China market than whites? Over 
ten, the last ten years, we've all looked at Reds being sort of the leader in the Chinese market. Yeah. Um, the Chinese have talked about how red wine is seen as um, sort of helpful as medicinal purposes. Mm. But more and more, um, as people's education about wine and their knowledge of enjoyment of wine um, is increasing, we're seeing a greater increase in white wines as well as sparkling wines, okay. with champagne and Prosecco also being um, good winners over there at the moment. So China's obviously a big food country, um, you know, each province has their own cuisine. Um, how do Chinese consumers go about pairing wine uh, with Chinese food? Last year I was over there um, doing dinners throughout um, second and third tier cities mm. across China. And it was absolutely fantastic because every city I went to, I got to experience their different cuisine mm. and vice versa. They got to experience the different wines that I'd organised for them to be paired with, which actually created a really nice conversation across the table because we both had sort of ideas to share with each other about flavours and textures. And um, more and more, I when I do visit these different areas, you see that there is cuisine that does match with our Shiraz, if there's sort of a, a black bean flavour or okay. um, sort of a barbecue meat. And then uh, you go to the next province and you try sort of a spicy fish that goes amazingly with a Pinot Grigio. Right. And it's so interesting to to actually make that a table conversation about wine and food matching, which I believe is in the Chinese culture because they love in, they love sharing food. That's part of the culture. Definitely. So to be able to bring wine into that conversation actually makes it all come together and makes it sort of easier for Chinese people to have traditional food and bring the Western idea of having wine at the table together. Um, what about the domestic Chinese wine market? Is that is that an emerging market at the moment? It's amazing. China actually has more grapevines planted in the ground for wine production than what Australia does. Wow. So China has a huge production of wine, and I only see it as a positive because if uh, domestically they're producing wine, mm. it also means that that will encourage them to look at wine regions across the world and also enjoy wines from different countries and, of course, Australia. Mm, okay. What about um, the China-Australia Free Trade Agreement? Wine tariffs were significantly reduced um, as a result of CHAFTA. Um, have, have you felt the reduction of these tariffs in your wine exports to China? We've definitely felt it, and it's absolutely fantastic uh, that these tariffs have been lifted. It's an exciting time for us uh, as an Australian wine industry as a whole. Uh, in late May, we've got the Vin Expo, which is a world-class wine expo held in Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, and Australia is the, um, the highlighted nation uh, for that event. And then a group of about 50 producers will go with Wine Australia and do a roadshow across mainland China. Mm. And I think that's when we'll really understand uh, how we'll benefit from these new trade agreements. Mm. As part of that, we also have the Australia's First Families of Wine, which is a group of 12 wineries, um, all family-owned, and they'll be travelling around at the same time. Brown Brothers is part of that. And really promoting family-owned businesses, mm. which we see that um, the Chinese customer understands family-owned businesses very well sure. because there's a lot of family-owned businesses across China. And um, so we're really promoting the highlight of being family-owned. Trade agreements can only be a positive thing for Australia across all levels. You know, from the basic thing of someone buying uh, an Australian bottle of wine, potentially for the first time in China, yep. and for that to stem the idea of coming out here for a holiday, sure. which will lead to tourism, which will lead to greater things for us. Exactly. So it's such, it's such a follow-on effect mm. that, um, yeah, we can only see great positives. Um, now, what about 
uh, intellectual property. Um, is, is IP theft something that concerns you in China? It's interesting when you travel through China and you spend time in smaller retailers and you do see things like Benfolds um, and a lot of the um, French chateaus having sort of slightly quirk names on labels and being sold at high prices. But uh, for Brown Brothers, we really make sure that we send our bottles over there with extreme integrity. We actually have screw cap uh, on all our bottles, which does actually make it harder to sort of tamper-proof and so say recork. Okay. Uh, and all our labels that we send over are our domestic labels, and then our distributor actually puts a security sort of um, label strip uh, in Chinese across. Ah, oh, right. So um, we do have many levels that we make sure that they're, we don't have to deal with that counterfeiting side of things. I think more and more the people that are buying wines care more about the quality of the wine rather than just the label on the outside. So mm. hopefully we see less of this sort of label integrity issues. Great. Um, what about e-commerce? Um, is, is e-commerce something that Brown Brothers has ventured into um, in doing business with China? E-commerce is very exciting for us. And every time I go to visit China, I just see this growing more and more. Mm. Um, a recent study actually shows that Um, 61% of people still buy their wine in traditional retail stores. Okay. But that means there's 49% of people that only buy their wine online. Right. Which is huge numbers when you think of the size of China. Yeah. Uh, So Brown Brothers actually has a team on the ground in China. Uh, We have three people up in Shanghai who spend quite a bit of time uh, working with our channel strategy and ensuring that across the e-commerce platforms and also the traditional retail platforms that we have different offerings for people. Uh, That's looking at different price points, that's looking at uh, different labels and uh, really enabling people to see a difference between the online and the traditional markets but also being able to make more products to be able to be accessed by um, the people that are looking at online. Um, So you mentioned that you've um, been doing some work in uh, tier 2 and tier 3 cities. Has has e-commerce helped you to access these other markets in China? That's a great thing. I personally live in rural Australia, so I know what it's like to do a lot of online shopping. And uh, I see the exact same thing uh, in China. Mm. These so-called small cities that have over 4 million people, they've got a market there. And a lot of them don't have that sort of traditional retail channel. So this really opens um, up the platform, the e-commerce platform, for people in these cities to be able to have access to Brown Brothers wines no matter where they are. Mm. And it still blows my mind that um, I sat at a dinner with a group of university students when I was in Beijing and I was showing them our wines and one of the guys next to me turned around and said, I just bought a dozen of your Siena wine and it's going to be on my doorstep by the time I get home. (laughs) And that just shows next level of e-commerce that they, in these big cities, they actually have warehouses throughout the city that these, some of these goods can be delivered within a few hours of the order going through. Um, so how do you go about building your brand in China? Um, especially via e-commerce. One is obviously a very competitive market in China. How do you go about getting your head above the competition? Well, we've actually brought on some strategies that we've learned from the Australian market. Mm. And that is all about getting wine into people's mouths. Because people will buy a bottle of wine if they think it looks good on a shelf. 
But if it doesn't taste good, they're not going to go back again. Mm. So we're about making sure the wine tastes good and getting people to taste it first. And then they'll, of course, go back and keep buying it. Uh, so in that sense, we're doing events. Okay. And um, university campuses has oh. been one of our big focuses over the Chinese uh, spring and summer. Right. And uh, that's all about sort of getting out there and putting on wine parties. Okay. So they have had um, sessions where they've had DJs and um, beach volleyball and being serving, uh, serving wine bars uh, in that sort of context. Right. And then other fun things is that we've teamed up with a chain of gyms over there and as Australians, we don't think about going to the gym and drinking wine, no. going hand in hand. But in China, they have bars in their gym. So we've been doing a Brown Brothers wine promotions through um, a range of their gyms and really seen an uplift of brand awareness um, as well as sales uh, through those avenues. So so collaborating with universities and gyms in China, how, how integral has that on-the-ground staffing been for Brown Brothers to make those things happen? It's so important uh, just to have the people there to be talking directly to the people that want to drink the wines, yeah. but also have the people that on, on the ground for Brown Brothers that can relate to those people. Yeah. So we have our Chinese team who are sort of in that 25 to 35 age, age group, and that's our target audience with these sort of parties, mm. and it's just worked fantastically, so yeah. we're really and, happy. And have you been to any of these parties yourself? I got to go to a great party where we actually had a, a surfing theme. Okay. So we had sort of TV screens all around and sort of Australian sort of beach um, feel to the whole thing mm. and sort of talked about drinking wine on the beach and the fun of that. So, right, yeah, cool. we had a good time with it. <laughs> um, okay, Catherine, so um, like, what advice do you have for other businesses um, engaging in the China market? I think we need to scrap some of our ideas that we had of China 10 years ago. Sure. Uh, it used to be about sort of the the older male Chinese wine buyer that just wanted sort of big, heavy red wines to go put in his cellar. Yeah. It's more about just having fun with wine, what we do here in Australia. And um, the Chinese of now are really adopting our Western culture more and more. Yeah. And having, getting more time on their hands to go and just enjoy themselves, have more fun, and enjoy their wine uh, at home with traditional food as well. So um, I think we need to be really open-minded about how we look at the Chinese consumer. Mm. Uh, one of the biggest things I've been told recently is that the Chinese consumer is actually liking screw caps now. Ah, uh, okay. We've always been told that our wines need corks in them because, uh, relating back to the French wines, that high-quality wines have corks. So to hear that the Chinese consumer is enjoying having screw caps now, I just think is absolutely fantastic and really shows how the market's progressing. Mm, fantastic. Okay, well, thanks a lot for your time today, Catherine, and um, all the best on your next trip to China. Thank you so much. My thanks to Catherine for her insights on the evolving culture of wine in China. On this episode's show notes, you can watch videos of Brown Brothers in-market China tastings from the Shanghai Sparkling Wine Festival. To view, simply visit www.acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts and click on this episode's page. Thanks also to Austrade for their support of this podcast. And if you've enjoyed listening, please leave a review on the iTunes store and feel free to pass on this episode to someone you know who's looking to learn more about China's rapid and fascinating growth and how Australian business can get involved. Until next time, 再见.